168 hours is the number of hours in one week. We all get the same, no more, and hopefully no less. Our guest today is a hard charger, a Marine, ultra athlete, philanthropist, husband, dad, success coach, and now the owner and managing director of a wind turbine company. So if anybody knows a thing or two about time management while living strength of purpose, it's Chad Cooper. I affectionately call him Coach Coop, and I'm pumped to welcome him to Pick Up the Six podcast. Chad Cooper, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Thank you. You know, in all of that, Brian, all I could think of was you said, Marine, I'm like, they wouldn't let me in looking like this. <laughs> so I'm staring at you across what I affectionately call the digital divide as we're leveraging technology to be able to see each other while we record this podcast from two totally different locations and a little, little long in the tooth, little gray in the beard, my friend, but you're looking good. You're looking no, good. No, 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 Brian. This is, this is white blonde, man. There's, there's no gray. This is white blonde. That's what I call some juicy language. We're going to get to that in a few that's, minutes. That's but right. That, Denial. That, it's not just a river in Egypt. That's right. So that bio, I want to start with the Marines, because obviously a, a major component of what we talk about here on Pick Up the Six is service before self, strength of purpose, and community impact. Service before self can mean so many different things, but for you at a young age, that meant the United States Marine Corps, where you were Regimental Marine of the Quarter and Regimental Marine of the Year. So tell us a little bit about your service before self in the Marines. Yeah, so let's let's start with uh, who Chad was before the Marines, yeah. and that was a mama's boy, and uh, in in many many ways. Now, you know, I say say a mama's boy, but at the same time, uh, one side of my family was six boys and uh, a very you know John Wayne uh, stepfather who mm -hmm. I loved dearly. But you know, if you got caught fighting go outside and one of you is going to come in because the other one lost, right? That's the way that, that it, it worked in that house. On the other side was, was um, three sisters and, and a brother over there. So five of us on, on that side and learning what gentleness was, right? So I, I really had the, the um, juxtaposition or, or the, the opposite, opposing forces of seeing multiple perspectives. When you have that many brothers and sisters and, and four sets of parents, you get perspective. And going into the Marine Corps, uh, I thought I had perspective. Boy, they gave me a, a very new perspective that was uh, anything but mama's boy. And so, you know, what, what I carried into the Marine Corps was loyalty, was the, the desire to say, you know, God willing, I'd never have to take somebody's life, but uh, I, I need to serve my country. I realize that that freedom isn't free. Somebody's got to stand on the line and, and be able to to stand for our values and in democracy and in all of the things that that it represents. And I was fortunate enough to be able to have that the mental fortitude to in the wherewithal to be able to do that. Um, and I think that's in, in today's world, the thing that I see in in our world today, Brian, is we let people off the hook. We rescue people. And, you know, we have all these words for them is, is snowflake, right? Well, I was a mama's boy is, is not a flattering thing either. Uh, but I, I went through the rites of passage with a group of trusted advisors, shall we say, um, or real instructors <laughs> that 
thought, you know, they, they knew a thing or two about turning a boy into a man. And they did a, a remarkable job in, in doing that for the design of what that, that soldier needed to be. Some of the things that you learn in the Marine Corps don't translate well into the civilian world. So what it's always taught me is the ability, I still have choice. Even when I lost my constitutional rights as a, a soldier, you're an asset, you lose your constitutional rights when you go into the military. Coming out of it, what I, I, I realized at all that duration is I have a choice. You know, I can look at this as I'm a victim or a, a victor. There's no room for, for both. And so in that, you're going you're gonna to have to learn to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And if there's anything that I learned, that was probably the number one that thing that stood out for me that is has prevailed through time, that prevails that 168 hours is learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable because that's how winning is done. And suffering is a choice, but pain is usually an ingredient to accomplish anything meaningful. And I experienced a lot of pain going through boot camp and, and being in the service and doing the things that I needed to do. So when I see a society that says, oh, I don't want my, my family to, to or my children to suffer or any of these things and everybody gets a trophy, I go, no, you're hurting them. You're harming them. We need that leverage. We need to, to, to get that rope to pull ourselves up. And there's nothing wrong with throwing down a rope to help somebody, Brian, but make them pull themselves up. Don't pull them up or they won't build the muscle. And so when I see all this rescuing going on today, then what I see is that they're not prepared for when the bill comes, when mm -hmm. the time comes that they've mm -hmm. got to pay for it. Yep. They're ill-equipped yep. and they will be, be gobbled up in no time flat. I firmly believe in my heart, and I think it's been almost written on my heart, uh, that we were made to suffer. I, I rejoice in my suffering. Through that, it's suffering becomes endurance. Through that endurance comes character. Through that character comes hope. Right. And that's a powerful way to look at it. Those hard times throughout that process, ticking off all these other things, Microsoft, athlete, philanthropist, world traveler, new business venture now that we're going to talk about in a minute, to have done some hard things, to have done some suffering at the call of your nation. You feel like that propelled you? I mean, were you always wired like I'm going to end up doing 80 things in my life? No, I mean, in reality is, is at 19, uh, when I went into the Marine Corps, I think at 18 at, at the time, um, I had no idea, you know, that, that I would end up on the trajectory that, I, that I'm at. But at 19 years old, I sat down, I listened to this guy named Tony Robbins mm -hmm. and uh, Personal Power 1 and then 2. And I, I took the time to consider why it is that other people don't have the time to do the things that they say they want to do. And I sat down and I said, you know what, if I just chip away, if you look at self-help uh, materials out there, uh, something like 87% of people who buy them never complete them. And something, you know, it's a, like 93% of them don't even get past the first two weeks. And what I did at 19 was I sat down and I just chipped away like a, one pebble at a time to build that mountain very slowly. And I, I found in in my time in the service that patience is, is a, a virtue, as you've heard, right? But I found that persistence and consistency mm -hmm. is what will get you across the finish line. That's how you, you do an Ironman. That's how you get 33 major sponsors in, in, in an Ironman, which I, I you know was a major sponsored Ironman. Uh, that's how 
I was able to, to become an elected official. But it's also how I just came back last week during all of this lockdown and pandemic serving in Guatemala, where I've served for decades now. And I had people say, you know, well, is it safe? Um, you know, it's, it's really hard. And I said, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Right. And so it, it's that just look at what the next step in, in the clearest way that I can articulate that is if you one of the charities that I did was called Kokoro, where you voluntarily. And I think this was at uh, my mid 40s that I, I chose to go through the Navy SEAL Buds School program. OK. And the guy that asked me to do a dear friend of mine, I'm like, dude, you're not asking me to go get you a couple Starbucks, right? This is a pretty tall order. I've already, you know, I know what my medal is. I've already accomplished these things. I know where, where, where I stand. And I said, okay, this is for charity. You need me to, to join. This is for something bigger than me, right? So Marine Corps, bigger than me. Charities, bigger than me. Keeping my fitness, attaching to something bigger than me, right? And serving others can can give you that accountability of, look, I can't back out, man. There's people counting on me. And so I've learned to, to find ways to, to keep that lever um, strong and stay the course even when it's, and when it's difficult. And so going through that, the thing I, that I learned about the Navy SEALs is they said, look, man, the first thing that you do in bud school is day one, the first thing, give me a thousand pushups. Now, if you look at it, Brian, and go, you need me to do a thousand pushups? There's no way. So what do they do? They go, fine, let me just knock out the first hundred. Got it. Next hundred. Uh, I can't get there. 75, 50. You get to the point where you just go one more, one more. You got to stop looking at the whole road because in the journey of life, often we can't see the end of the trail, but there's an old African proverb that says, walk as far as you can see. And when you get there, you'll be able to see further. And that's really what the, the Navy SEALs, to become a SEAL, that's what they understand is just let me do one more and one more and one more. They just look at and make it, break it down to really simple rules, really easy micro tasks. And eventually they're at a thousand. Eventually they become a Navy SEAL. But when we make it too big, man, mm -hmm. it's like trying to pull, push that boulder and you give up. That's what I was going to ask, right? So the overwhelming part would be to look at this massive finish line deep down the road and to think, I don't know that I can get there. And, and even to look at your trajectory, you didn't map it out this way. It wasn't, I'm going to do these things in this succession, right? It, it This is what developed through living in that servant's ability. But I find too, that if you're willing to, and it sounds like this is what you're saying, you've got to just overcome that next moment. You've got to be willing to, especially in that buds circumstance, I'm going to, I'm going to stave off that next chance to quit, cross that hurdle, next chance, cross that hurdle, which is important. I want to talk about a book that you wrote that for me, is not even just a book I've read. It's basically a textbook that is highlighted and it's got notes all over. It. It's called time. Isn't the problem you are. And because I think it's important to this overall story. And we talked about at the beginning of the show, 168 hours to be able to do all these things. And also we're going to talk about a new venture that you're involved in now. You've got to be able to manage that. And you found some purpose in life and not only doing that for yourself, but helping other people manage that. So tell us a little bit about time isn't the problem you are. 
Yeah. So, you know, in looking at all of these things, there, there's kind of a, a, a triad in there in, in at the top of it in, in the book. If I said there's one one thing that will get you across the finish line, I would say it's the strength of the purpose itself. Most of us count on and rely on on discipline, Brian, to, to, to get across the finish line. And discipline alone isn't going to be enough. It could be a great catalyst. It can be some, some short-term fuel. But if you don't know your motive, if you don't understand it's not your strength that holds you to your purpose, it's the strength of the purpose itself, then you're going to give in to temptation at some point. You're going to go for the, the couple of donuts instead of staying the course on, on your, your nutrition, right? You're, you know, when I did my first Ironman, I got off the bike and man, we had like a severe headwind the last 20 some odd miles. I was hooked. I felt like I had, had cement galoshes on my feet and I had to go still run a full marathon. And I remember I got out in the first two miles and nobody else is around me. And I'm thinking I'm at the back of the pack. I, I knew I was doing okay, actually. And I was like, there's nobody around. Oh, there's some trees, man. I could go hide out. There's you know, a lake right there, Lake, lake Mich- or, uh, Lake Erie was right there. And I was like, I could splash some water but like four hours later, come out, oh, I'm so exhausted. And I went, but I will always know mm-hmm. that I actually didn't earn it. And so the, the most important thing is, is we all face temptation. Great leaders aren't without fear. They aren't without temptation. It's that they have a compelling motive that holds them no matter how much pain comes at them. So that's the first ingredient. There's only one thing. If you have a strength of, of purpose, like God forbid you saw a, a child on the other walking into rush hour traffic, you don't need to sit back and create a plan and make your move and do all that. It's like, Let's go. you know the motive. Going. Yeah. The motive is to save a life. It's clear and it is obsessive, right? So it's not enough just to be like, yeah, I want this. It's like, I must have this and you must create it to a level of obsession that nothing will get in its way. Then you have a chance to maximize that 168 hours or, or one week worth of time. So in looking at that, that you know, that's the pinnacle that I, when I look at, and I just had, had a, 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 a colorful conversation with somebody around professional athletes and, and the make your move. Um, and, and, you know, they, they get into a peak state and, you know, even when I w- w- was the number one coach for the number one, number one coaching organization in the world, I never got into that. Okay. Make your move peak state because I was at that level performing. And I'm like, I never found that that was the thing. You know what it was is I went in and I got clear with my motive and I got quiet mm-hmm. and I compartmentalized into what is that mission? When you look at, at, at special forces, when you look at professional athletes, when you look at all of that, is they have a compelling motive that no one is going to knock them off that course. Come hell or high water, man, whatever it takes, they might do this and they'll zag back in. And so that's, that's critical. And you got to ask yourself, you know, do you have any motive in, in your week or are you just kind of drifting and dabbling? Because if you're drifting, even a dead fish can float downstream. You got to be willing to say, I've got a big enough mission to be like a salmon and, and be able to fight upstream to, to go against the current. How does someone, if they feel like they're in that state, 
of that floating. If someone's listening to us right now and they're like, man, I, I know I could be doing more. I feel like I'm stuck in this state, but I'm not sure what my purpose is. There's got to be yeah. some tactics for them to be able to lock in on that and focus and, and work it through. And it, it, I, I know it takes time. It took me years to get to a point where I was able to say and look at things that had culminated in my life to say, I was put on this earth to connect people to something bigger than themselves. It's yeah. why this platform that you're listening to today exists, to connect you to something bigger than yourself. So how can they work through that? Yeah, so when we look at when I was 19, you know, we can see this. What, whatever I use as, as the formula, one, I look at, can I reverse engineer? And, and if you choose not to take the same journey, can you still get the, the result that you want? So it needs to be agnostic to my path, right? The second is, is I look for this. Does this exist in the laws of nature? Is this something that has proven itself over time? And so when I, I look at that, I look at motive. Then I have the, the two other pieces. And one is at 19, I still had a strategy. I still saw the big picture, right? And, and then I looked at what are the pebbles, the small pieces that will get me there, the milestones that I can celebrate to keep myself motivated to, to accomplish that overall. But when we look at that and we say, okay, fine, Brian, what's, what's my purpose? What's that strategy? Dude, I can't tell you. How many people have been lied to in our society about what our purpose is? So friends, it is not the size of your house. It's not the size of your paycheck. It's not the title on the desk. Whoever, nobody even has those on their desk anymore. So forget that, right? <laughs> I, knew, I was going to say on your business card, people don't have those anymore. I, I, still, I still know signature. some people that have the world's best boss mug, which I think there is you go. There you go. I was going to say, I'm like your email signature. I'm like, crap. People don't use email anymore. I'm dating the hell out of myself here. So it, it isn't any of those things. That is the great Hollywood lie. So what is our purpose? Listen carefully. Your purpose is how you want to feel on a day-to-day basis. How do you want to consistently feel? What are the emotions that you want to experience? Is it joy? Is it gratitude? Is it love? Is, is it you know, any number of things. But I learned when I was in the Marine Corps, they taught me how to be happy, sad, and pissed. That was the extent of my emotional range, right? And it served me well at that time. And then one of my brothers sat me down. You see this in the book is I have a brother that's a graphics artist that's very talented. And I said, man, that's a cool blue. You know, and he's like, it's not blue, man. Like, yeah, yeah, stop being a smart aleck. No, I'm not trying to be smart aleck. It's not blue. So he goes over and reaches this like color palette and, and folds it out. And he goes, look, navy blue, royal blue, aqua blue, baby blue, periwinkle. Yes, a Marine actually knows what periwinkle looks like, right? And it dawned on me, I went, oh. colors are like our emotions. And the more range we have in emotions, the more that we can be crystal clear about what our purpose is. So if we know the emotions that we want to experience on a day-to-day basis, then all we have to do is find the vehicles that allow us to experience those consistently. That's your purpose. There are four major strategies in this book that interweave all of this. The first one is language matters. And and that kind of goes to your point about this color index. And, And one of the things that I've heard you speak about and read as well is you got to be able to, to open up and talk about things the way you want to 
feel what they are or how you are showing up in that moment. So what do you mean by language matters? Well, let's use, use the example of a Marine versus Tai Chi. Okay. And in the Marine Corps, you're taught to be on guard. You're taught to be tough. You're taught to defend, right? And show no vulnerability. In Tai Chi, there's an old, old saying is vulnerability is strength. The softer you are, the stronger you are. So you have two diametrically opposed worlds here. And what I, I learned is everything that I thought I knew about what strength was, was wrong. And that if I am actually vulnerable, if I actually show people what's under the armor, in fact, if I take off the armor and realize I don't need it, then what is stronger than somebody with armor is a person that's willing to stand there vulnerable and raw and say, here I am, no mask that I'm wearing, no armor, this is who I am. But in order to do that, requires something beforehand, and that is the ability to look in the mirror, in your eyes, to yourself and say, I love you. See, I had to learn how to love myself before I could take off the armor, before I realized that being soft was actually strength. And it's the opposite of what social media, the news, and everything is telling you today. But my experience tells me exactly the opposite. When we go to ancient text, when we go to scripture, when we go to, to you know, everything that we knew, know through time, the Tai Chi stands way over. And how do we do that? Let's look at nature, right? Is a drop of water over time will erode granite. One is soft, one is, is hard, and the hard will give way over time. So that's kind of, of where I, I looked at and said, you know, I need to think about how I'm showing up versus how I've been told to show up. Because one of them is, is riddled with littered bodies of celebrities and, and people who have, you know, had all the money in the world, had all the fame in the world, get there and go, God, tell me this isn't all there is because they were chasing material, right? And I'm not against material attainment, right? But I don't have material attainment to define who I am or to gain people's approval. I have it because it complements my life. It doesn't define who I am. Powerful, powerful. More on purpose coming up. T talk to me a little bit about, uh, I want to give them a tactical example, something someone could deploy tomorrow. You, as a man with a lot of things happening, you have to be, be able to block off your time. And I know we're not huge believers in to-do lists because they tend to get you just to do just another calendar, right? Just another calendar. But in blocking off time, one way to add your purpose to what you're doing is to, with intentionality, set that time aside with some juicy language. So can yeah. you give me an example of something that's on your calendar that might look or sound a little bit different than how somebody else might block it off on theirs. Yeah. And then thanks. I'm just realizing like you asked me about language. And I totally did not answer that question. I got you so back. I'm awesome. a professional. I got you back to where we had to get to. <laughs> I love it. I went off on a, a, a squirrel. Yeah, but it was good. It was good. <laughs> um, so why does language matter and how do we, how do we apply that language matters because inside of our head, we are talking nonstop 
right? So it's something like, a, don't quote me, I, somewhere in the book, I actually did the, the research is like 50,000 words to the one word that we actually say out loud. It's a ridiculous number of conversations in our own head. And as George W. Bush would say, there's inside words and outside words. Rick is not <laughs> let the inside words outside. That's right. All right. So how many of us have those inside words? And then how are we being trained? So when we have the calendar, Brian, you know, we fill it, we use language like softeners, like should, oughta, um, might, right? We mm -hmm. need to remove those softeners and be deliberate and clear. What is it that you want? And then we need to think about what is the language that we're putting in there? So what have we been, been taught and trained? Well, you need to use socially appropriate and professionally collegiate words in your subject line, like work out. Really? I mean, let's even look at that. Work out. Nobody wants to work out. It sounds out. terrible. It sounds terrible. Unless you're sick in the head like me that does an Ironman and there's no legitimate reason to justify it, you don't want to work out. But you right? even said that moment you talk, talk about taking a swim in the lake. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I, what did I get into? This right. sucks. Right. <laughs> right? So we need to, to find that that language needs to be attached to the purpose. It needs to be attached to our motive. In what better way than our calendar? Whether you have it on a computer today, your phone, a, a Franklin planner, I don't know who still has them, but my dad and some people still have these things, right? Or it's in your head, you're giving subject lines to the things that you're supposed to do. And we're literally using limp language. And I use that language very deliberately because nobody wants to see something limp, right? It's not flattering, okay? So we need to replace that with the strength of the purpose itself. So that's where I would do activities in, in you know, leading a, a, a charity across the Grand Canyon and back over two days is the equivalent of doing two marathons and climbing Mount Everest over two days. It is not easy. We had Navy SEALs as our support crew. So that's a lot of work. That's a lot of effort to do something that, that is creating something bigger than yourself, right? So in the subject line, I put leading by character, showing my son by example what's possible, or leading from the front. So when we are looking at language that matters and tying that to the strength of the purpose, it's got to have emotion and it's got to be connected to what is bigger, not work out. Because given the workout, I wouldn't have gone to Colorado to train and hike mountains so that I could go to the Grand Canyon to go get my, my butt handed to me and succeed. So when let's, let's use another example of, uh, of where we, we put that. How many of us have kids or a loved one that were like, I really wish that I could have more time spending with them. But yet we transport them to school or to the sport or to something every day. And we're on our cell phone in the front seat or listening to music and they're in the back seat on, on some smart device right so we have a simple rule and that is this no technology when you're in the vehicle with another person and instead when i, I had the privilege of taking my son to school every day it would say um boy it's been a long time but it it, it said something along the lines of being present looking at or setting the stage each day in teaching my son by example what's possible, right? But what that was is saying, here I am in, in a physical ability, but mentally I'm checked out. And how many of us are, are mentally not present and missing the opportunity to connect and influence our kids? Why? Because we're so busy. 
So I simply created the appointment that allowed me to recognize, seize this opportunity. You're shaping this young person's life. Are you being responsible or are you allowing technology to be the babysitter and hoping that they're consuming something healthy? You said something that has stuck with me for years, and uh, I'm very active in this men's fitness group called F3. And one of the cool things about what we do in F3 is every man is expected to lead the workout. You are a you are a leader in this. Without any training or, or certificate, we need you to lead this thing. And that means at the end, you're granted the ability, if you show if you so take it in this circle of trust, a moment of vulnerability with other men, to be able to talk and share. And that can come in the form of prayer or words. And my guys have heard me say ad nauseum. It is not your strength that holds you to the purpose. It is the strength of the purpose itself. Thank you, my friend, for that. Another one that you've put on my heart over the last few years is hell on earth is meeting the man you could have been and thinking about what that looks like. That's powerful too, my brother. Yeah. So to me, what that means is not that I don't make mistakes. I've probably made more mistakes than, than most people have have succeeded right it's it's a willingness to lean into your fears the courage to say i'm going to 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 calculated risk but it's not that i fear making mistakes it's that i fear having regrets so have i made some some big mistakes in life yeah we all do right do i have regrets not one not one so it's about the, the ability to say, you know, if I had the chance to meet this person, I'm looking in the mirror. I can honestly say it has not been easy, but it has been worthwhile to go against the grain, to listen to, and for me, that isn't about listening to myself, Brian. This is, you know, uncool stuff that I, I'm going to say here, but, you know, I always say that when God was, was handing out characteristics. When he came to humbleness, he went, that's going to be wasted on Chad. Forget that. <laughs> Don't give him that, right? It would appear that I'm not a humble person, but the difference is I know what gifts I have. I know my purpose and I don't claim to be the genius. I look at that and say, God gave that strength to me. God gave me those gifts. It's my responsibility to execute and live those out. Right? So that isn't about being arrogant or narcissistic. That's about saying, I know where the source came from. And as long as I remember, I am blessed. I have been given these gifts and I have a responsibility for those gifts. Many of us know that we're gifted and don't do a thing about it. And that breaks my heart. That's about having, you know, hell on earth is meeting the person that you could be. That's what that's talking about. You mentioned the creator there. Talk to me about honoring the spiritual. What does that mean for you? Well, I, I see that we need to separate spirit and religion today. And there's an old Buddhist saying that that the finger pointing at the moon is not the moon. And people go, what? That's a, what, what, what? <laughs> right? And what that saying is, is just because somebody's a bad Christian or a bad Hindu or bad uh, Islam doesn't mean that the religion is bad, right? So just because I'm bad, a, a sinning Christian doesn't mean Christianity is flawed. And so we need to separate religion from spirituality. And I work with indigenous tribes around the world. In fact, you know, I've got two different, um, I've got the, my Panoma, which is, it was given to me by a, a, a very highly respected chief in the oldest indigenous tribe in New Zealand. You don't buy these. These have to be 
gifted to you. You have to earn them, right? And then I have the equivalent of both of these are jade. This is, is from Guatemala. Both of them are jade. So how do two indigenous tribes know to use jade is a universal stone, way more valuable than, than diamonds or anything else. Indigenous tribes cherish jade. And so what that tells me is religion can get in the way. Now, I claim myself as, as a, a Christian, okay? And I believe that it, it's differentiated, but I don't let that interfere with my spirit. And I believe that all of them are talking the same thing, just using different words, right? So we have definition and we have terms. We use different terminologies to define the same bloody thing. And if we would just slow down and strive to understand before we go to judgment of agreeing or disagreeing. See, what happens today is this cancel culture is, oh, you're offending me. I disagree. You haven't even taken a chance to understand, right? And you can see this. This, this is the artist proof of Norman Rockwell's Ruby Bridges behind me. Okay, that's not just a poster, right? That's the artist proof. You can see Norman's signature in the in the corner in pencil. And everybody looks at that. What does that have to do with religion and spirituality? Everybody looks at this. It is about racial injustice. And they see Ruby as a black little girl having the courage to go to school. But nobody ever mentions the four white U.S. marshals that had the courage to escort her and protect her every day. We're not meant to do it on our own. We're not meant to be isolated. We're not meant to cancel culture. We're meant to come together and understand our differences. And that's what gives us strength. And so when I look at that, that is universal in almost all religions. And so our spirit needs to be separated from religion and understand the human condition is love. It's that our differences of, well, my religion says this versus that. Look. If we wanted to identify what separates us, what makes us different, Brian, we'll find stuff to say, well, you know, you, your hair isn't nearly as, as gorgeous blonde as, as mine, but that's okay, right? But instead, if we focus on what unites us, what we have in common, we, what we find is that there's more than enough. And so when I look at, at people who, who take stands on, on their religion, they're looking for what isolates them. Instead, if I, we look at what connects us, there's more than enough. And that's about our spirit. And that's also not about the, you know, well, I'm just spiritual and I'm airy-fairy, which is it's saying, what, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Okay? So we need to have the yin and the yang. We need to have the masculine and feminine. It isn't yin or yang. It isn't masculine or feminine. It's and. And so when I look at spirituality versus religion, it's not or, it's and. This is that moment where I'm just sitting back, listening to all this, remembering you have to ask a question next, and you're not just watching this amazing <laughs> presentation about that. What a, what a beautiful journey to take people through. And, and if anything, listening today, guys, to just take a pause and reflect on what Chad's talking about. And just think it through. Think through how you're approaching these different scenarios. And I would welcome you to think through these things before you jump on the Twitter machine or Facebook or social media and see something that triggers you, pushes you quick. 
before that quick response comes. Because if you take pause in that moment, and if maybe you can center back in on your strength of purpose, maybe it leads you in a different direction. You mentioned some pebbles before. We don't want to give all the way. We don't want to give away all the secrets to managing the 168 because I would yeah, highly give recommend them all away. People pick up. Time isn't the problem. You are. But what do rocks, big rocks, have to do with people's success? Yeah. So, you know, I, I want to say to, to, to kind of close out the last point I was looking for, I've got a collection of quotes that I've collected that, that I use. Language matters. So guess what? Every day I have like 20 quotes daily that just flood me to help me with the language that I want to focus on. I didn't tell, I should of, tell you real quick. Cause it, it relates to that. I've got, I've been able to eliminate distractions throughout the day, but I've also self-imposed on myself <laughs> distractions as well, where you can leverage this beautiful technology you have to not bug you with stuff that annoys you, but to empower you. So I know as I'm walking, getting ready to walk through the door. When I get home from a workout in the morning, I've got a first scripture calendar reminder. Ping pops up real quick. Take a quick pause, read that scripture. I start my day with part of that as well. So I think that's what you're talking about with these things coming at you. You're self-imposed hitting yourself yeah. with different points. Yeah. Be strategic, right? Like a surgeon, be, be strategic in the way that you do that. So I want, I want to just kind of close out the last one is, mm -hmm. is God gave you gifts. Do you think that those gifts were to hurt people or to help people? So to answer big rocks, um, Stephen Covey, an old, old name in the 80s and, and probably even 90s, got on the podium and he, he pulls out this glass jar and he pulls out a bag of big rocks. And he says, uh, all right, carefully sets those rocks in until they're to the surface. And he says, you know, are they full? The audience is like, yeah, dummy, we can see. We got two eyes. It's full. He goes, really? Reaches under the podium, pulls out a small bag of pebbles, pours them in, shakes it up until it fills to the top. He goes, how about now? They're like, all right, you tricked us. You got us. Okay, now it's full. He goes, really? So reaches under and grabs a bag of sand and pours it in. He goes, how about now? They're like, all right, you know, the answer is no. We don't know why it's no, but we know that you've got something else. He goes, very good. So he reaches under and pulls out a, a pitcher of water and pours it in. Now, his original intent with that was that you can always pack in more. And it wasn't until the former CEO of Nike came on the scene that said, actually, I see it differently. And that is, if you don't put the big rocks first, you're never going to have room for them. See, if you don't put them in in that order, you'll never be able to actually make it fit, Brian, ever. And so how many of us, there's this thing called the Pareto's principle, or you may have heard it as the 80-20 rule. And that is 20% of your clients actually earn 80% of your revenue. Now you may be looking at it going, ah, it can't be true. Go do the data, run it for your company, guarantee you're gonna find your top 20% of your clients generate 80% of your revenue. 20% of the things in your calendar produce 80% of the results in your 168 hours. But most of us have been trained, and there's one thing good about COVID, by the way, is I've watched these kids in high school understand the difference between activity and outcome. Mm -hmm. Big rocks are outcome. The small pebbles and sand are activities. But you've been trained to be activity focused. And it's kind of like an octopus on roller skates. There's a lot of movement, but not in any particular direction. 
So I noticed that my son, he's like, okay, you know, we're working, we're going to school virtually. Dad, if, um, if I can actually get all my homework and everything done in two hours, can I have the rest of the day off? Yes, son. Why? Because he produced the outcome. But if they're in school, if we're in a corporation, what do they monitor for? Are you active? They're not focusing on the big rocks. So Tony Robbins asked me in front of like 160 coaches one time, he's like, Chad, you're semi-retired. You work less than any coach that I know, yet you have the number one stats and you have the longest duration of all your clients. What gives? I said, Tony, uh, I don't really think you want me to answer this in front of everybody. You kind of ambush me. He's like, tell me what it is. <laughs> it's the only way Tony can, and He's right? massive and he's on you and there's nothing you can yeah. do about it. Yeah. I'm like, all right, dude. You asked for it. I hope it yeah. doesn't backfire on you. I said, Tony, I schedule my personal time first and whatever's left, that's where I, I work. Now that is completely the opposite of everything you've been told, Brian. But how many of us are like, after I kill myself and bust my butt and I've earned the right to take some vacation and I've crashed into the wall and, and I'm exhausted, then I've earned the right for a vacation. See, if we look at eight hours in a day and I know that I, let's, let's just keep the math simple. If I have six hours of work that I need to do, but I've only got four hours to do it in, you will figure out what the fluff is and you will get that work done in four hours and shave off two hours. You will do it. But if you have eight hours to do four hours worth of work, you will waste four hours and use all eight. So what do I do? I plan my vacation. I plan my family time. I plan my financial time. I plan my own personal me time. I plan my spiritual time. I plan my exercise. All of that goes in first. Those are the big rocks. That's my purpose, right? Those are the emotions I want to feel on a consistent basis. And whatever's left, that's what I make room for in my work. Why? Because I'll figure out how to make that work happen in that limited amount of time. They're listening like, I don't know, Chad, I don't think I can do it. I got too oh, much. Dude, I'm drowning, dude. I'm, I, I can't do it. I'm drowning. I'm dying. I, I hear you. I hear you. Scotch helps. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I, what but only, the, only the hot, only the, only the top shelf when you're celebrating the fact that you did empower yourself to be able to make these decisions and take control of these things. And my friend, is it perfect? Do you stumble no. along the way? Absolutely. 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 This podcast is brought to you by no, <laughs> the Scotch yeah, Company. So here's the thing. Perfection's unattainable. Right. You know, and as a faith-based believer, I don't strive for protection for, for perfection. I'll never achieve it. What I strive for is precision. If I get on social media, it is here's how much time, here's what I'm here for, and get out and get off because it will suck you in. Same with with watching, you know, Netflix or HBO Max or Disney Plus or any of the bazillion out there, man. They are wired. They learn from Vegas. Yep. How do we suck you in and never let you out? And they're really good at it, right? That metadata knows you better than you know you, than your spouse knows you. So treat it with surgical precision. And I'm not going for perfection. I'm willing to make errors. And it's about saying, I'm here to win the war and I might lose a battle, but I will win the war. Before we wrap it up, I want to hear about this new venture. So a guy that's got tons of things happening, 
But like you said, plans it out the way that you do. But I also know you're a bit of a status quo disruptor, shatter it really, if you have the chance to talk about it from that standpoint. So tell me a little bit about what this new venture for you looks like now. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm anything near being a rebel. Um, what I would say is is I'm, I have the courage to think differently. And I looked at the, the renewable energy uh, industry and at most, and they never achieve it. You know, Netflix and, and Amazon are asking me to do a, a film on the, the dirty lies of renewable energy. Love to play on words, language matters, right? And both of those, solar and wind, currently that max is 30% efficient. Most people don't realize it's 70% inefficient, ineffective, and they never even reach the 30%. And so I looked at it and said, how do we make renewable right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I got an invitation to come in and, and work with a company that is, is achieving 70% efficiency. Okay. So when we look at wind turbines, they're, they're horizontal. You got the three blade propellers that you think about. Okay. We decided flatten it. Instead of going this way, go vertical. Believe it or not, this is vertical. You're stacking up, right? So in doing that, we decided we're going to paint the, the blades, the edges of the blades red, and we're going to go direct shaft, no gears. We were able to find the inefficiencies that technology couldn't address back in the 90s that can be addressed today. And we re-engineered. It's kind of like the, the $6 million man or whatever. Now mm -hmm. it's a $16 billion man, yep. right? Is we re-engineered and said, we can do this better. We can build it stronger and we can achieve 70%. And so what we did is we we now have it this way, spinning this way. We can put them uh, in dense urban. Think of putting it on top of a skyscraper in a dent at a hospital, a manufacturing factory. We can go rural, rural. Yep. Right. Say that there. again. On, on a mountain in the ocean, we can go in places others can't, including airtime vessels. Think about that on a cruise line. Think about that on a shipping container, right? And so what we're able to do is look at this and said, wait, why do we have to deforest and rape land to put solar in when we can actually just go above the tree line and coexist with it? So all of this other work, you know, working in with indigenous people, being in, in Central America with my foundation for, for decades, allowed me to look at it and say, we have to have a relationship. We can't just rape one side in order to try to achieve something on the other. It's not sustainable. And so we looked at it and said, how do we actually do this in a sustainable way? It was ambitious. It was a, a what is that, a BHAG? Mm -hmm. Thinking of, of Philip, right? It was a moonshot. That's right. It was a moonshot. Moon yep. And I had to have the belief, the language inside was, this can make me a billionaire. Now, I'm just an ordinary guy that went to a high school with surrounded three sides by a cornfield, nothing special by me. But let me tell you, the first step is learn to love yourself. The second is give that, that you know, never forget where those gifts come from. But the third is have the audacity to say, why not? When, why not? There's all kinds of people that become billionaires that are ordinary people. Why not? So I looked at it and said, if we're going to do it, why not make a crap load of money? Because then I can apply that to my foundations and create the impact even further. I don't need anything more. I'll have more, right? I'll have some nice things. Let's not be silly. I'm not opposed to material attainment. Mm -hmm. I don't define myself by it. And I am all about saying, use that money, leverage it to change the world. Yep. 
why not do that? I don't have to have the argument, Philip, about or Brian, about about whether global warming is real or fake news. To choose to be a good steward to this earth. So that means at the end of the day, you get 168 hours a week, change the conversation and choose to have the courage to have the conversation that moves you forward, not the one that they want you to have. Like what you're hearing, want to know a little bit more about it. The name of the book, Time Isn't the Problem. You are, where can folks find you, Chad? Well, they can find me on uh, Amazon or uh, any basic platform that's out there. It's also an audio book. So if you're like me, you want to figure out how to maximize your 168 hours, I like audio, right? I listen to it in 2x speed and uh, do that. It's one of the few things that you can, can multitask. Or they can just simply go out to chadecooper.com. Uh, and then we actually, Brian, took the, the, the book and turned it into a 12-module membership course with a community that can uh, really help people not just get knowledge, but actually learn how to master and implement it. That's the trick. It's not your strength that holds you to your purpose. It's the strength of the purpose itself. He's Chad Cooper. Thank you so much for joining us, my man. It was great to catch up with you and share some of your perspective with our listeners today. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Brian. He's Chad Cooper. I'm Brian Jodis, and this has been Pick Up the Six Podcast.